morning, Church on the Rock. So good to see some familiar faces and always good to see unfamiliar faces because that means more people are coming and being added to the family of Church on the Rock. So it's excited to see. If you, if you know me, um, hi again. <laughs> if you don't, then welcome. And I just want to thank you as a church for the opportunity to be up here. And I also want to thank you if you don't know that Church on the Rock, hopefully you do, Church on the Rock actually supports uh, and encourages us financially, prayerfully, and in so many other ways um, as we're doing the work that God has us doing in Plainfield. And so thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of that, for you being an extension of who we are and being kingdom-minded enough to be able to, to join together with us and help us along the way so that we can accomplish the work of God together. Amen? Like, that's why we exist. That's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, I'm not Rashad, clearly. <laughs> Too short. That's what it is. And uh, more beard. That's about probably it. Um, <laughs> no, clearly I'm not. So, good morning, Church on the Rock! <laughs> there you go. So, as he hears this or watches it or, or however he, he decides to do that, um, you guys just put him to bed. That's so sweet. If we had time, I'd let you sing a lullaby. So, all right. It is 1120. I got three and a half hours. Um, all right. <laughs> Four, okay. Hey, hey, there we go. Um, as you can see, I look good. <laughs> right? I just, I, I want to get some, you see the word on the screen. I want to get some perspective from you. So, I, I'm the oddball here today, right? Way overdressed. Not. Hey, not my fault you can't step up, <laughs> okay? Sorry the rest of you aren't as good as me. Um, honestly, though, um, within reason, like, keep it clean, like PG, you know, but, but what, were, what were thoughts when you saw the guy that's going to be preaching suited up? Anybody, we're going to make it interactive. Look cool. Okay, what? I heard something over here. Old school? Sweet. <laughs> Any, anybody else? <laughs> does he realize, does he know where he is today? I, I said overdressed and like eight people said amen. So clearly there's that thought. Anybody else? Got anything? Who died? <laughs> wow. Awesome. Okay. Who died? What we're going to be talking about today, as I pointed out, is perspective. Uh, and you see the, the different images on the screen right now. And there's these different perspectives of earth as we see it. And uh, we tend to view our lives with various perspectives of things. And the one thing that we tend to get wrong a lot is our perspective of people. Um, many of you know me. Actually, Bonnie, you straight up walked past me. And I think it's because of how I was dressed. You didn't know it was me uh, when you came in this morning. Because I was standing back there and I went to wave. And she's just like, boom. Like, no, no. And I don't really blame her. When I've shown up here before, uh, I might be wearing a button-down untucked, usually like a nice T-shirt and blue jeans. I, I know that I'm overdressed, but there's a point to it this morning. And what I want you guys to understand is the perspective that we place on people is not necessarily the reality. And the perspective that we have of ourselves is also not the reality. How many people are going to be willing to admit and raise your hands with me that you think more of yourselves than you should, some if not most of the time. I'm not saying you never degrade yourself or, 
look down or are depressed or think yourself lowly. Yes, we do that too. I'm very guilty of that. I'm probably my own worst critic, but at times I'm also my biggest fan. And in order to get to that place, we end up doing what the scripture we're going to be looking at today shows us. We're going to be talking about two characters, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And this is a story that Jesus is telling, and he's actually teaching this parable to the Pharisees. You know, so many times in scriptures we see him talking to the disciples and to the crowds that gather, but uh, he, he doesn't fail to preach and teach to the Pharisees, too. We talk about how they were his enemies. Well, he still wanted to teach them something. He wanted them to get something out of it because they had the wrong perspective. Um, this, this is kind of, Jason, come on up. Both Jasons. Well, one's got a kid. Cervizi, come on up. Come on up. Man, doesn't he look good? Could you guys give it up for, he's not wearing shorts. Somebody. <laughs> All right, who looks, who, <laughs> who looks more Christian, right? Oh, oh, she said we, she's getting ahead of me. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. He might be a Christian. We don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely dressed more for the part, though. I wore my best for Jesus. You brought Jesus Bible. I brought my Jesus Bible. Did you guys see this? The big boy, you know. Anybody else want to hold theirs up? Well, you got nothing? Oh, wow. I'm definitely better than you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> He's wearing blue jeans and boots like he's going to a construction site to church. Can you believe that? And he's wearing a football jersey, and it's not even a team that's playing in the Super Bowl. Like, that's, that's sad, all right? So who's more Christian? You can't tell, right? Can't tell. Thank you. Can you guys give it up for Jason? He's a great pastor here, and... You guys are blessed to have him. Um, I appreciate his friendship. Jason and I have known each other for a long time, and I know that what he did earlier was not going to be it. Um, there will be more picking on me and making fun of me later. So that's okay. That's, anybody that has a relationship with Jason knows that that's, that comes with it, right? <laughs> so we can't tell, but, but that's how we perceive people. We do it all the time. We do it every day, right? Like, we may not do it to that extreme, maybe not that blatantly obvious, but we do that all the time. And so Jesus calls out these Pharisees, and as we jump in, we're going to read Luke 18, starting with verse 9. So if you, if you do have your Bible or a device, or if you just want to look up on the screen and read along, uh, please do. But we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14, and what Jesus message to them, the, the moral of his story is to these Pharisees. So let's look at who he's talking to. In Luke 18, 9, it says, by the way, I'm not even using this Bible. This was totally for looks, which just kind of drives home my point. It's a different translation than what you guys are used to. So um, I'm going to look real holy, not even using my Bible. Luke 18, 9, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, over, uh, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven 
but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray as we allow God to reveal himself to us this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, who rose again victorious so that we can be made righteous. God, I pray that that will sink in for us this morning. And if, if there's anybody here who has been struggling through this attitude of self-righteousness or elevating ourselves or pride, God, I pray that this would convict us if, if it's about reaching other people and, and building relationships with them, God, and, and recognizing that they are no different than where we once were before we had you in our lives. I pray that that would drive us to introduce them to you. God, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do. Speak through me this morning. Speak to us all. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so the first thing that we, I want to tackle is my righteousness, this idea that my righteousness is greater than your worthlessness. My righteousness is greater than your worthlessness. Sounds harsh, right? It also sounds kind of, duh, <laughs> obvious. Righteousness is better than worthlessness, right? So my good is better than your bad. That just, that goes without saying, but yet we say it all the time, and the Pharisee here said it even in his prayer. Look at it once again. Verse 9 says this. He also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. I want to I, I just paint something for you right now about the culture of first century Israel and, and specifically these different groups of people. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the uh, the religious leaders of the time, the scribes even, they were held in very high regard because of what they did, how much they knew, and how they carried themselves. They dressed better than everybody, right? Looked the part. They carried the biggest scrolls, probably, I don't really know. They had the most scripture memorized, the best. They interpreted the law of God for the people, and they were looked at as the religious elite, that's how people viewed them. As a result, they viewed everyone else as beneath them. Everybody else is scum. Nobody else can compare. And don't we do that today? If somebody doesn't measure up to me the way that I think they should, according to the standards, the way that I have interpreted or perceived them, then they are worse than me. And if I point out and act like they are worse and I am better, that makes me look better still, right? I look even more better. I know that's bad grammar. I don't care. I'm, I'm better. Um, <laughs> I'm dressed better than all of you. This is the Pharisees' mentality. It's not only that their righteousness is in themselves. They only trust their own righteousness. It's that they hold others in contempt. Did you see that guy? Did you hear what she said? Did you... It's that kind of mentality. It's that kind of talk. Can you believe that person? Did you hear about what they did? Can you believe what they posted on social media? Like, it's it, all that kind of stuff. Anybody guilty of that? Am I the only one? Or, everybody raise your hand. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like, are we not? Even if we don't act on it, do you not have those thoughts? Right? 
I'm better because. And it usually ends with something specific about how they're worse. I'm better because they're worse. The way we lift ourselves up is by putting others down. And that's the group that Jesus is talking to. This is the world revolves around me mentality. This is the I got this on my own kind of attitude. Let's look at verse 10. It says, Jesus starts this story. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, not only do we have this religious leader who's held in high regard by the culture and by the, the community, really at large, like everybody sees them this way because they have established themselves this way. But now we have a tax collector. And tax collectors are special. And I'm saying special the way that we usually say it sarcastically, okay? Like, oh, that, you're special. <laughs> See, if you look throughout the narratives of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and even uh, in Acts when, when they're talked about, tax collectors have their own category. You have sinners, and then you got tax collectors. Go read it. Like, go look and, and see where you come across those two groups of people. They're, they're listed separately. Why, why can't you just leave it at sinners? Like, how's that not bad enough? And they're like, you, Jesus is sitting with the sinners and, get this, the tax collectors. Can you believe that? Like, he's hanging out with tax collectors, with the sinners. Somehow that was worse, and it's because they were, they were seen as traitors. They were seen as thieves. And so Jesus is using these two examples so that he can contrast from the very get-go. Before he says anything about them, he just identifies them as what they are. A Pharisee and a tax collector. And immediately, people were judging. Oh, Pharisee has got this in the bag. Like, totally more righteous than the tax collector. Whatever is coming, the lesson's about the, the, the Pharisee, the religious one, right? And then Jesus, like he usually does, he flips it on his head. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And then this is what the Pharisee says in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Ouch. He's like, glad I'm not like that guy. And, and before, we, before we move on and get to what the Pharisee is all about, like he's, he's really proud of himself. He's going to list a couple of things. But swindlers were con artists, hustlers. Uh, people were just out to manipulate and to get theirs. You've got the unjust who were just looking to put other people down that were just looking to uh, also get theirs. <laughs> they don't care if it's just or not. They don't care if it's right or not. They don't care if it lines up or not. They're the unjust. They're sinful. It's, it's, it's fairly cut and dry, right? Adulterers. So now he's starting to call out even more specific things. Adulterers are definitely worse than me. And then, even like this tax collector, this specific person here, let me compare myself to this low-down, dirty, no-good no individual right here. Something else that I want us to notice in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. And, and just by, anybody got an idea of what that might mean? The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. What do you think that means, praying to himself? You think he was mumbling? God, thank you that I'm not like this guy. That's not really what we see about Pharisees in the Bible, right? They're not really quiet people. They're obnoxiously loud. 
right? So it doesn't follow his MO to mumble this and to not make a big deal about it. In fact, what this means, as, as we dig a little bit deeper, praying this to himself means he's praying this to God, a.k.a. himself. He's not praying this to God. He's praying this to himself. And he's saying, thank God that you got it right with me. <laughs> You nailed it. Everybody else, eh, but me, kudos, God, good job. Because I'm not like these swindlers, these unjust people, the adulterers, or even this guy right here who is laying on the ground. What's, what's going on over there? In fact, verse 12 says, I fast twice a week. Now, that's a big deal. I, I, I want to point out, that's not some small feat. The requirement by the law was to fast once a year. There was a specific day of the year that the Jews were required to feast. And the Pharisee is fasting twice a week. That is quite an accomplishment. It's just stupid that he feels the need to, to say anything about it. And then he says, I pay tithes of all that I get. And, and again, you go back to Deuteronomy and you look at and see what they're supposed to tithe. There's a list of things, but they all have to do with crops. And the Pharisee is saying, I tithe of all that I have. It's like, look at how good of a person I am. Jason's here. I actually worked for Jason at one point and uh, worked at an after-school program, and I would play basketball with the third, fourth, and fifth graders after they would do their homework. Those that didn't have an after-school activity specific to them, we would play on the playground or play in the gym, and I would play with these guys. I kicked their butts. Go up for a shot, wham, not in my house, right? <laughs> Cross them over, go up for the layup, rebound it because I missed, but then shoot it and make it again. I was so much better than they were. <laughs> Third, fourth, and fifth graders, right? It's all true. I wish I was making this, uh, like, that's the attitude. And the sad thing is, is that I can, I can say the exact same thing about people in my life now, unfortunately. Not, not necessarily, definitely not concerning basketball, but just concerning life. I'm better than that person because they are this or they did that. My righteousness is better than their worthlessness. That's the attitude that we have. And that's the attitude of the Pharisee here. Now, now we're going to juxtapose that with the tax collector. You guys know what juxtapose means? I'm really smart, guys. <laughs> I'm still in character. I'm just. <laughs> we're going to compare, contrast the Pharisee with this tax collector. And we're going to see what it has to say. In fact, and, and it's already on the, the screen, God's righteousness is greater than my wrongfulness. We're seeing an attitude that's completely flipped. Let's read on. Luke 18, 13, it says this. Now he's gotten to the tax collector's part of this parable. The tax collector's standing some distance away. Like he, he's not even on the same platform. He's not even in the same realm as the Pharisee. In fact, he probably wasn't allowed. And, and Rashad preached the message about how the, the temple was broken up and there were certain people allowed in certain parts. And so the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, which was custom to Jews, 
for them to lift. We, we try to block out all the distractions so we close our eyes. We bow, you got to do it like the Bible says, you know, like this. That's not how the Bible says to do it. But right, bow your head, close your eyes. You got to cross your hands. That's how you pray, right? It's not a way to pray as far as like how your stances or anything like that. But Jewish custom was you look up to heaven because the conversation is between you and Yahweh, right? The creator who is everywhere. So you lift your eyes up, you hold your hands out, ready to receive whatever it is that he is willing to grace you with. And that was customary. That was the stance. And this guy, he's throwing tradition out the window. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to lift my head to heaven to look towards you. Much less to look at you. And and I know that I can't physically see you, but I don't even feel worthy to look towards you to heaven. And so he was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Do you see the agony? Do you see, like, it's palpable, the worthlessness that he already feels about himself, how he views himself. He recognizes his own iniquity, his own wrongness. That he's not even able to look up to heaven. Maybe it's been like this for you. Maybe you've had a a thought in your mind or you're dwelling on something. You're worried about something. Maybe it's someone. Maybe it's a death that that recently happened and, and your heart aches. Or maybe it's somebody that's in the hospital and doesn't seem to be getting better and your heart aches. Or maybe it's something that you've done wrong and you can't get past the guilt and you're aching and you're thinking about it. And it's consuming your mind and all of a sudden you're just like, man, I can't believe And just physically comes out. That's where this man is. And he's, he's literally, he's beating his chest. Saying, God, I don't deserve it. Please have mercy on me. Because I'm, I'm not worthy. I'm caught in, in everything that I do wrong. I'm wrongful. Here's the next thing that I want us to look at. Tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. What? You guys read it with. One more time. Yeah. Somebody pointed it out. Somebody said it different. They they put the emphasis on a different syllable. (laughs) The sinner. Not a sinner. There's actually a lot of translations that do say a sinner. But, but when you start digging into it and seeing what, what it actually says, original languages and things like that, it is definitive. It's the sinner. You've got this Pharisee who's like, among men, I'm a good person. And then you've got this tax collector who says, among God, I'm the sinner. You see that? There is two people here. I'm not worried about everybody else. I see who I am. I recognize my own brokenness. I know everything that I've done. I know that I'm wrong and I'm not worthy. And then there's God and he's almighty and he's perfect and he's just and he's righteous. And so between the two of us, there's almighty righteous God and there's the sinner. I'm the sinner. So God, be merciful to me, the sinner. It reminds me a lot of David. If you go back to to Psalm 51, he wrote this 
this psalm of repentance after his adultery and his murder that he had committed in Psalm 51.3 says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He's in that place where he's like, I can't think of anything else. It's everywhere I look. It's everything I think of. There are things that remind me about it all the time. Against you, in verse 4, it says, against you and you only, you see that? You only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be in the right and are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Against you and you only, hold up. Like, he sinned against Bathsheba, right? He committed adultery with her, so his sin was as much against her as it was with her. He had Uriah murdered. Wouldn't that be against Uriah? What about the other men who were out to war while he was at home in the comfort of his own palace? Like, isn't there a sinfulness in that? What about carrying this deceit until the the prophet called him out? Like, that lie, isn't that sinful against pretty much everybody? But David isn't saying that he didn't do wrong against those people. What he's saying is, I understand why it's wrong. I I understand who it's wrong against because of who established the law, who established righteousness, who set the standard. And so against you I have sinned, God. And we see that same attitude here from this tax collector. This is critical. This is, this is what we have to see. We have to understand the world is bigger than me. See, the first attitude that my righteousness is better than your worthlessness, that's the world is about me. But this is the world's bigger than me. I'm just a small part, a small speck of it. And so God have mercy on me in my little vapor of a life. One who has sinned against you. Be merciful on me. It's this attitude of self-righteousness changed to a self-reality. It's understanding the reality of yourself, of your condition, of who you are. That you're not all that. That it doesn't matter if there are other people better, God is better. And he's the only one that can change you and make you better. That's the reality. So we got to get off the self-righteous high horse and we got to get onto the self-reality of our lives. And that also means stop putting other people down around us. Stop judging other people for acting like people. Because guess what? You do too. <laughs> Anybody live a perfect week this week? Nobody? Nobody lied to raise their hand? Okay. Anybody live a perfect day this week? All right, well, uh, anybody live a perfect morning so far? No? Okay. Hour? Like, come on, an hour, right? Somebody? Maybe? Some of you are like, let me think. Like, (laughs) I probably did something wrong. (laughs) Right? We might be able to get away with an hour. Maybe a day. But it's not about how much bad or good that we did. It's how much greater God is, right? We sing about it. Great are you, Lord. Not great am I. The only greatness that I have is because of God. In fact, that's, that's exactly the whole point that Jesus is trying to make. God's righteousness equals my worthiness. God's righteousness 
equals my worthiness. Not saying that I'm so worthy I'm equal to God's righteousness. No, God's righteousness makes me worthy. And so now I am worthy in the sight of God, not because of me, but because of his righteousness, because of how great he is. Luke 18, 14, as we continue to to break this apart, it says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, the scum of the earth guy, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. In fact, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Sound like Jesus much? God himself, wrapping himself in flesh, coming down to earth to fulfill the will of God to die for the sins of man. <laughs> right? Submission, humility, like it, that's, that's what that looks like. And so Jesus saying, if you look more like me, without saying, if you look more, that might defeat the purpose. But if you humble yourself, then you're exalted. When you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. You gain nothing. It's easy to put your, how many of us do that all the time because of how somebody's dressed, because of how somebody talks, because of whether or not they have tattoos, right? (laughs) Which brings me to my next point. What about the other side of it? This is not, I'm so freaking uncomfortable right now. I don't dress this way unless it's a funeral or a wedding, right? Like, This is not what I typically dress like. And I've got a tattoo on my back shoulder, and I want like five more. I just can't afford it, right? So, you know, then I go to this place of what about those people? Honestly, if I'm on your side looking up here at a guy dressed like this, my mind's like, what is that guy thinking? Weirdo. Like, he is way overdressed. And Wonder what he wants. Wonder what he believes or what he thinks. I bet he's super traditional, and it goes the other way, right? In fact, I'm guilty of that. Our previous church, we would have people occasionally that would walk in, right? They would walk in, and they would be in their Sunday best. They'd be suited up, and the kids would have their shirts all tucked in and everything. and look adorable, but we'd be like, what's going on? I bet they would cause problems. (laughs) Right? And we laugh, but how terrible is that? There are people who need Jesus too, right? Who need discipled as well, right? And so we've got to get off of this self-righteous wherever we think righteousness lands us. We've got to get out of that mindset and we've got to get into this reality of, you know what? Jesus came for all. Jesus died for all. Jesus desires all. So what am I doing to help reach the all? Because the reality is I'm no better than they were. I want to wrap up with this, this quote from Philippians because this does great. Uh, it, it spells it out really well for us. Philippians 3.8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So he says more than that at the beginning of this verse. So I would really encourage you, go read Philippians uh, it's, it's a short letter, it's only four chapters, but Philippians 3 specifically. And Paul just lists a resume of why he's such a righteous person. It's this actually spelled out for a real person. Like, I was a Benjamite. I was, you know, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm an Israelite, a Jew of the Jews. I learned this and this and this, and I passed my bar exam. And, you know, like, 
he's laying out everything that he's accomplished and how when he did persecute Christians, he thought he was doing it for God and he was zealous about it. I was the best Christian there is. But I count all of those things to be loss. What do we count to be as loss? What, what is it that we're hanging on to that we don't want to let go of and say, you know what, that doesn't really matter? What is our Christian resume? I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't sleep around, I, don't, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. that. That makes us think that we're better than other people. What is it? What is it that you hang on to? What is it? Maybe it's that other people are too judgy, <laughs> right? You ever think about that? Just judge judgy people. What is it that we hang on to that we won't count as loss compared to the knowledge that we have in Christ? Not the knowledge like the head knowledge, but the knowledge of we know him. We have a relationship with him. Because Paul did it. He experienced it. He had a relationship with Jesus. And he said, I count everything that I've ever accomplished as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all those things, and count them but rubbish, which is kind of a weak translation, so that I might gain Christ. Before we go to verse 9, though, I want you to understand what he's saying there. Rubbish just doesn't quite capture it. And I don't want Rashad to never let me come preach here again, so I'm not going to say what it actually means, but it's an expletive that means dump heap, a steaming pile. That's the comparison. My righteousness compared to Jesus is just a pile. That's, that's the separation. So, now verse 9. That righteousness may be found in him, not having righteousness of my own, derived from the law, from keeping the law, from making sure everybody else keeps the law from being the best person that I can be because I'm just better than everybody else. No, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of my faith in him. Because he's righteous and he gave me his righteousness. Not because I'm righteous. And you know what this does? This levels the playing field. Now everybody's the same. So that guy that has cheated on his wife or is unfaithful i'm no better than him the guy that hit a family and killed some of them because he had way too much to drink and he couldn't control himself i'm no better than that guy the guy that's a, a mass murderer a serial killer i'm no better than that guy I just go down the list over and over and we keep finding all these things that we want to judge people for and how much worse they are than us. And we're no better than those people. The only difference is that I've placed my faith in Jesus and his righteousness covers me. Be merciful to me, oh God, the sinner. Because in your mercy then I can be justified. And as I strive to live right, because it's not wrong. Are any of those things wrong? Is, that, is living a good, proper, righteous life a wrong thing? No, absolutely not. We're supposed to do that. Is judging wrong wrong? No, it's not. In fact, you guys are in the book of Romans and you're doing this long dig in Romans. You're about to find out. Judgment's like, it's the real deal. God is serious about judgment. The problem is who we're making judge. 
we said, Clint and I were talking after first service, and we pretty much said, God, move over. I'll take that seat. But did you see what happens in, in Jesus' story? He says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And the reality is, and this was the follow-up statement that Clinton made, and as I started thinking, it was blown away, and I appreciate you sharing it with me, and and God speaking through that moment that, you know what? (laughs) When, When we do that, sometimes God moves over. And he says, go ahead and take that seat. Let's see how you bear the weight. Has anybody felt that before? You ever lived with that kind of anxiety and stress where you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? And not all the time, but how many times has it been because you've decided that you're the standard, you're the judge? We got to erase that. We got to understand it's Jesus that changes us. And in fact, as, as the worship team comes up here, this, this last song is going to speak directly to that. I want you to be thinking about these words, about how it is Jesus who changes us. It's him who frees us and makes us righteous. It's not yourself. And so whatever it is, is as we get ready to sing and worship together, and you're just thinking. And if you need to, close your eyes for just a moment. And think about what is it that you're not letting go of? What is it that you're holding over everybody else that makes you think that you're better than them? I'll go just one step further and say, who's the person that you're holding it over? Because that's a relationship that needs to be mended. That's an individual that needs Jesus in their life, and they need to see him in you. Who is that person? Think about that person, pray for that person, and pray for forgiveness because I got people in my life like that. So as we worship and as we give it back to him, let go of those things that you count as righteousness on your own doing. Let God be the righteousness in your life and recognize that the people around you are just like you. They just need Jesus. So go share him with those people in this new perspective. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you so much for who you are, what you do in our lives. We thank you that you were humble enough to come and to be the sacrifice for our sins and that you were victorious in your resurrection and that you give us your righteousness. You make us holy. You make us pure. You justify us. Help us to not forget that. And as a church, I pray that Church on the Rock would go out and make disciples, that they would go and reach these very people that still need you, that they were once just like. And God, if there's anybody here that doesn't have that relationship with you, I pray that they would recognize their own brokenness and their need for you in their lives. We love you. We thank you for all that you do, and we worship you now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
as we're closing. Um, Rashad sent something out on band. I don't know when it was. It was a couple nights ago. But it has a picture of a man that is literally crawling on the ground because he's paralyzed and he's begging. And Rashad wrote a couple things, but he wrote this also. Please identify the areas in your life that have paralyzed you. What temporary solutions 
are you begging for? Will you replace that with the Savior's solution? It says, today I experience life in a whole new way. The world is so dark over here, and it's out in the open. Unfortunately, it's just as dark in America, but our comfort has given us false light. And so that's, that's a really deep, deep um, thought. And so will you replace that with the Savior's solution? So as we go out this week, as you look at people and you see their troubles, um, we all have them. Pray for them. Talk to them. Tell them about Jesus. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then right after prayer, I have two announcements. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can set aside, sing your praises, hear your word. Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, Lord, that we'll see people. We won't see their sin, but Lord, we'll see people that need you. And Lord, I pray that you'll put someone in front of us this week that we can have a conversation with about you. Lord, I just ask that you continue to be with, watch over, guide, and protect us. Lord, be with Rashad as he travels home this week. Lord, bring him back to us safely. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all that you do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.